Well, today I want to offer a summer status update. Think of this as a weekend update for the church with fewer punchlines and less sarcasm. While we are in the beginning stages of a transition in leadership, we at Second are taking time to reflect about who we are and what God is calling us to be and do next. And through the Presbyterian process of committees that call committees, transitions encourage our church family with the guidance of our presbytery to pause and consider a state of the union, as it were. Now, our work with Holy Cow Consulting, which will happen a little later than hoped for, but is in the works, our work with Holy Cow will offer us further insight into how we're doing and what our hopes are for the future. This is not a summer when we as a church family put our feet up, no friends, we have work to do. This is not a season where we can sit back and rest on our laurels and our history. We are called and tasked to discern how the Holy Spirit is moving and coaxing us to worship and service in the next chapter of this church. We are called to pay attention. Now in today's text from the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus comments on what he notices around him. It is a fitting text for a church that is paying attention and taking stock. Jesus compares the way he and John the Baptist share the table and eat. But I will let Roger return to the theme of the table next week. Today, today I hope you'll focus in with me on what Jesus notices around him as we reflect on what is happening in the church now. Listen to this from the First Nations version of Matthew, chapter 11, found printed in your bulletin so that you may follow along. Jesus is speaking to the crowds. This generation, what can I compare them to? They are like children at a trading post, teasing each other, saying, you did not dance when we played the drum. You did not cry when we played a sad flute song. Gift of goodwill. John did not feast or drink wine, but they say he has an evil spirit. And the true human being comes feasting and drinking, and they say he eats too much and is a drunk a friend of tribal tax collectors and outcasts. But wisdom 
Wisdom is like a mother who knows what her children are doing and can see right through them. Creator sets free. Jesus turned his eyes to the sky and sent his voice to the great spirit. I honor you, O great father, maker of earth and sky, he prayed. For you have hidden these things from the ones who are wise in their own eyes, but have shown them to the humble of heart. Yes, my father, it has made your heart glad to see this day come. Then he turned to the ones who walked the road with him. My father has put everything into my hands, he said with a solemn voice. Only the Father knows the Son, and only the Son knows the Father. No one can know the Father in his fullness unless the Son makes him known. And then Jesus lifted his eyes to the horizon as if he were speaking to all the world. Come, close to my side, you whose hearts are on the ground. You who are pushed down and worn out, and I will refresh you. Follow my teaching and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest from your troubled thoughts. Walk side by side with me, and I will share in your heavy load and make it light. Beloved, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now this is a complex text, and Jesus covers a lot of territory in just a few verses. And in my preparation for today, my mind kept coming up with new ideas, enough for at least five sermons. But my time at Montreat, focusing on the craft and experience of worship, there it was emphasized the importance of offering one message. So I welcome your questions and your curiosities and your comments about other aspects of this scripture after worship this morning. Yet today we will focus on what Jesus observes about the people and the good news he offers to conclude. Now, the first 15 verses, which we did not read in this chapter in Matthew, describe messages sent back and forth between John the Baptist and Jesus. And then Jesus describes John as a prophet. And we overhear Jesus describing how John's message of fasting and repentance, of righteousness and judgment, is rejected, just as children are playing and disappointed in a trading post. Jesus, however, shares a message of expansive hospitality and extravagant inclusion and the people reject him and his message too. 
Now, this generation is uncomfortable with John, who fasts in the desert, and they are disturbed by Jesus, who extends the wedding with good wine in Cana and dines with women, tax collectors, and outcasts with reckless grace. Wisdom, the Jewish figure that joins God in creation and guides the people in Proverbs, now wisdom knows better. Wisdom appreciates the complementary roles of John and Jesus in leading the people. To be faithful, God's people need leaders who will lead them to righteousness and repentance and leaders who will lead the way to mercy and extravagant welcome. It is not an either-or scenario. And what is true of leaders like John and Jesus is also true of congregations. We strive to be a congregation that emphasizes justice, righteousness, repentance, and transformation, as well as a congregation that extends mercy and extravagant hospitality. It is not an either-or decision of how we discern being a congregation. Jesus encourages this generation and we who strive to follow today to pay attention to both the message of John and his own teachings. We are called to righteousness and inclusiveness, woven through with God's love. There is no need to choose between Team John or team Jesus. There is no need for division or suspicion. We can follow both John and Jesus as a faith community. And now we know a few things about how division can separate a community into extremes today. Strident voices in our political arena shout about enemies and corrosive agendas instead of working to serve our nation and our community. According to the Washington Post, an analysis of book challenges from across the nation show the majority were filed by just 11 people. As political campaigns ramp up and the language of us versus them increases in volume, Jesus speaks to our current polarization, highlighting how wisdom can see through the noise and the rhetoric to gain insight into the heart of the matter. We in the church are called to pay attention to issues that build up the beloved community. We are called to focus on how we love God and how we love our neighbors as we love ourselves. We are called to listen beyond the yelling 
to pay attention to the voices seeking justice, creating peace, and nurturing love. As an earth care congregation, we are called to listen to the voices of creation and to work for justice and the healing of the natural world. As a Matthew 25 church, we are called to serve our neighbors who are hungry, those who need clothes, and our neighbors who need health care, a place to call home and are imprisoned. Jesus calls us to move beyond the binaries of our culture to the radical, inclusive love of our Creator. And in this passage today, Jesus goes on to highlight that those who are wise in the faith are often those who are marginalized and overlooked, not those with status or worldly prestige. Now, this is tricky to interpret in a tradition that invests in education and honors expertise. I like the First Nation version's translation. Jesus says to the people, God has hidden these teachings from the ones who are wise in their own eyes, but has shown them to the humble of heart. Jesus calls the people to be humble in heart and open to hearing from God. Even though John the Baptist and Jesus did not fit the expectations the people had about prophets and the Messiah, Jesus proclaims that those who are humble and open to their message have made God's heart glad. We are called to be more curious than confident, more hopeful than hardened, Jesus calls us to open our hearts to the movement of the Spirit and the ways we as a church family may need to prepare for who is called to lead us. Like children who trust their teacher, like sheep who trust their shepherd, we are called to trust that Jesus will guide us in the way of life. Now, I acknowledge that sometimes it is challenging to trust that God will provide. There are times when it is easier to focus on the news and the numbers that are distressing. As a denomination, we get caught up by reports of declining membership, graying congregations, and fewer fo- pulpits to fill than the glory days. A few weeks ago, our session heard concerning statistics during the summer presbytery meeting. Out of the 98 churches in the presbytery of the James, there are 19 that do not have any identified leadership. There are only six congregations that have more than one called pastor And we here at Second are one of the six. More and more as 
people discern to go to seminary, they are discerning to go into work and ministry other than the church, like chaplaincy and nonprofit work. These statistics need to be recognized and considered as we work together to be the church. But I'm here to share another narrative with you. The kids are all right in the church of today. Within 48 hours of hearing these presbytery numbers, I joined Catherine Goodpasture and four of our awesome youth for time away at Massanetta Conference Center. And there we joined over 150 other middle school youth from South Carolina and Pennsylvania and places in between and we gathered to focus on the 23rd Psalm. We were together for worship, for workshops about the themes of Psalm 23. We gathered for meals and for games inside and outside, for discussion and even a dance the last night. We talked about how God provides space for each of us, for all of us to be at home. Our youth were led by high school students, more than 20 of them, who led games and silly dances called energizers, who shared their own stories of finding home and talked about their own faith journeys. Massanetta created safe space for our middle school youth to be led by other high school youth to play and pray together as they explore their faith. And when I think about the moments of kindness and patience shared between the youth in my small discussion group, and the playfulness and thoughtfulness within our own group during meals and evening check-ins that almost always ended with laughter. When I think about those moments, I can testify that the kids are all right. Yes, the church may be graying, and there are youth who travel from all over the place to explore their faith. Well, yes, membership may be declining in mainline churches across our country. And there are high schoolers who are eager to spend three weeks out of their summer to talk about faith with middle schoolers. Beloved of God, this is good news. This is the type of story that makes God's heart glad today. So, if you or I get discouraged in the coming weeks or months during this transition season, Jesus reminds us to find comfort and rest from our troubled thoughts in him. Jesus tells the crowds and us today that we can lay down our anxiety and burdens 
and he will walk with us. We can find rest. We can focus on good news. We can trust that God will be with us today and tomorrow. This weekend update concludes with hope. As we look to the horizon with Jesus, offering comfort and compassion. God is still at work, leading and guiding Second Church and countless others to serve and worship with distinction and delight. As children of God, all of us, we are all right. All right indeed. Thanks be to God. Beloved, let us pray. God of mountaintops and the morning mist, we give thanks for the ways that you continue to call us to hope and to listen, to love and to nurture your peace. We ask that as we journey into this season of transition, we can place our trust in you and we can listen to the ways in which you continue to call us to be your church, to love and worship, to serve and learn here on the corner of Fifth and Main. Guide us to find comfort and rest in Jesus as we offer comfort and rest to others. May it be so, we pray. Amen.